Scary Parish. It's Monday, October 26, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is back with me after a week away from vacation. Norlander, how was vacation? Did you accomplish anything? Did you get done whatever it is you wanted to get done, whether that's around the house stuff or just rest? Oh, well, it's good to be back. I, I did enjoy the time away. Uh, I miss you more when we don't have to talk every single week. Um, but And by the way, I thought about this on my vacation. Uh, do you realize that, you know, technically you've had CBS, you know, digital sports, uh, CBS Sports Line, CBSSports.com colleagues, like from an editor perspective or maybe a boss perspective longer. But you and I both, we've been colleagues longer than we have been with any other people in the entirety of our entire lives. Are you aware of this? Like you and I have worked together longer than we can say we've worked with another person. Like we work together on an every week capacity. That's that, we're locked in arms. I hope you realize this. This this um, epiphany came to me while I was on vacation. This is what I think about. So. I, I've never thought about that. Um, obviously, there are people at dot com that have been there even longer than I. Dennis Dodd, right, being uh, the most obvious example of that. But in terms of working on a you know day to day, certainly week to week basis. With anybody in my professional life, I think you're probably yeah. the person I've worked with most often. Uh, how, when, when did you get hired at CBS Sports? I'm coming up on 10 years here. Uh, I got the call on a Friday in late November of 2010 from Eric K, who now is who's the who's our boss when it comes to podcast stuff. And shouts to EK. Shouts to EK, no doubt about it. Shouts to Debo too, because I know he checks in on the podcast every now and then. Um, but yeah, so we are. I'm coming up on the on the ten year in uh, in December will be the official hire date. Um, and I actually still have the link to the very first thing I ever wrote for CBSSports.com. It's on the. It's no longer exists on the site because it's in the old publishing CMS. But uh, but yeah, mid December is, is the technically the ten year anniversary of the first time I had a byline at CBSSports.com. You of course came on. I say of course, it's of course to me, but a lot of people don't realize but you came on in the summer of 06 I believe so it's just wild to think about the fact that I was about four and a half years after you but we've both been here like 10 years when I started at CBS like it's almost like when you start high school and you're a freshman and the seniors seem so old to me you had been at CBS for like a decade but it was really like it's the same amount of time between now and basically, like shortly after Duke won his 2015 title, it's it's not that far away from the from the time when I started versus when you were at uh, CBS. Yeah, I got hired July 2006. Nobody that hired me still works at the company; um, is still there. Um, got hired July 2006. My first assignment was to go to ABCD camp in Teaneck, New Jersey, Sonny Vaccaro's old camp, and so. My former boss, Mark Swanson, who was uh, excellent, he, he said, I want you to go there and I don't want you to write. I just want you to go there and meet people. You need to start building a, a network because at that point, my network was, I guess, Conference USA coaches. So I, I knew John Calipari and Rick Patino and Tom Crean and, you know, Bobby Lutz, everybody who worked in that league at the time. But outside of that, I didn't really know anybody. So I go there just to to try to meet people and introduce myself as Greg Doyle's replacement. <laughs> and, and the most common response to hey, I'm they Gary were Parish. overjoyed, I'm sure. <laughs> they were thrilled. They were thrilled because this was the old Greg Doyle, very yes. different than the present Greg Doyle. Um, I'm just sort of thinking about this in real time. I, I haven't thought about this since. But I remember one of the people I ended up sitting with at a game and introducing myself to was Tubby Smith. 
head coach at Kentucky. And I say, yeah, I'm, I'm the new person at CBSSports.com replacing Greg Doyle. And he goes, well, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll certainly be, uh, be better than, 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 uh, than that guy. And then fast yeah. forward. <laughs> I'm the guy that's going to get you fired from Memphis in 11 years. Oh, it's wild how things work out, isn't it? My, my memory. So I, I park in the parking lot at the ABCD camp. And I park in, like, in two spots from me. John Feinstein parks there. Mm. Um, and I obviously know who John is, but I don't know John at all at the time. And so we were walking up to the credential table right there at the beginning, at the entrance to the, the gym. And um, I'm like uh, Gary Paris, CBSSports.com. I take great pride in this. First time I ever said that to a, uh, a stranger to get a credential. So they're like, oh, okay, uh, Mr. Paris, here you are. Two young, uh, young women, I'll call them, but they were very young, like, you know, maybe 18, 19, 20 years old. Let's call them college students. And so they hand me my credential and, um, and John Feinstein's there. And he says, I'm i I'm John Feinstein. And they start going through the credentials and they, don't have they it. can't find, they yeah. can't find what they don't have it. And he's like, uh, they're like, oh, well, <laughs> and he's like, well, uh, I'm John Feinstein. And, and they're like, we, uh, can you spell it? Cause we don't see it. And they're looking, it's clearly not there. So they say, uh, well, did you register in advance request a credential? And he's like, no, I've been coming to this thing forever. I've never yeah. registered for a credential. I'm, I'm John Feinstein. And this is, and this, so this is 06. So this is right, right up against like digital media, like really becoming a, a prominence in covering events. Like John Feinstein is without question in 2006, a top five name covering the sport, just so we have perspective on what's happening. Right. right. And so then he finally goes to, um, I wrote season on the brink and there is nothing these young women have (laughs) heard of less than season on the brink. They have no idea. And they're like, uh, like you could have said about Bob Knight. They'd have been like, Bob who? Like I have no idea. So it was like a, a little tug of war there. And I tried to step in as like a, you know, how old was I then? Uh, maybe 29 years old as I'm in my late twenties and I'm going, I'm going, uh, this is John Feinstein. Like this is this guy belongs in this. Gym. If I can help in any way, this guy does belong inside this gym. And they were like, "Well, you know, you you should have signed up on you know in advance and requested." It, it was like, and finally, I just it got so awkward that I just had to walk away. I was like, oh, "John is good to meet you. I'll uh, I'll I'll see you inside if you ever get inside." Best I could. He did eventually get inside, but my first experience as a CBS sports employee was uh, trying to negotiate John Feinstein getting into the gym for ABCD camp back in 2006. And it's been, it's been all downhill from there. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. We, we got a nice little uh, operation going here on the podcast, but the vacation was, uh, was good. I mean, uh, I shouldn't have waited to take uh, another vacation week in October because I didn't, I didn't not work. I, I'm, I got a one to three fifty seven that's going to come out next week. And, um, that requires a ton of work. So I did actually spend about two to three hours every single day, like checking in with coaches, ranking teams, starting to do the capsules. So, um, it, I've had a lot of people actually start to reach out cause normally it's up by about now, but obviously the season gets delayed so if you're curious about the 1 to 357 that is going to publish next week i am now going to spend another four to five hours every single day between now and about sunday night uh getting all of that together but it was um it was good the weather started got starting to get cool here in uh in connecticut so um so the fall is officially here and that just makes me like when the weather turns like this um it really does feel like college basketballs around the corner we are officially 
less than one month to the scheduled start of the season. I don't say it's 100%. We're going to start on November 25, but it's certainly I'm more optimistic about that now than I was two weeks ago than I was two weeks before that. And uh, Halloween's around the corner, and we're, uh, we're coming up on November. But we got some news, GP. We do. A few things we want to get to today, and we'll start with, I guess, the biggest news of the past few days, and that is that the University of Arizona um, has acknowledged uh, that it has received a notice of allegations from the NCAA. The school has yet to release it, but Seth Davis from The Athletic has reported that it features nine allegations of, of misconduct. Five of the allegations have resulted in level one violations. Sean Miller has been charged with lack of head coach control. So as expected, this is serious. The Wildcats are facing a possible multi-season postseason ban. Sean Miller is facing a possible season-long suspension. Norlander, on a scale of one to we are effed, how concerned should Arizona, Sean Miller, and Wildcat fans, how concerned should they be right now? All right, three different groups there. Um, Arizona, one to we are effed. Um, I think you got to have. It's going to lean toward the latter there. Arizona is going to get hit hard here. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this on a podcast before or not, but my expectation is that when this case gets resolved, and I believe Arizona is going to want to go to the uh, the IARP, uh, what's constantly getting referred to as the off-ramp of adjudication, so not the Committee on Infractions route, um, they're going to want to go that way. They've requested to go that way. That's according to uh, a, a university attorney that uh, Seth got this information from. Um so the hope is that they'll look at the complexities of this case and be spared. But I, I my prediction still is that Arizona is going to get hit with a two season post two year postseason ban. Now, and if that happens with the IARP, then there is no appeal process. That is what it's going to be. Arizona is now seeking this uh, escape route, if you want to even call it that. And if they do that and they get hit hard anyway, they can't appeal. They got to take their lumps, and that's going to be what it is. Sean Miller has one charge against him. It's the lack of uh, accountability charges, in, in essence, GP. And um, that's not surprising, uh, perhaps a little surprising. There was only one charge against Sean Miller with this. What that says to me is that through all of this, they don't have as much as they want to have on Sean Miller. Bill Self has two against him. Sean Miller has one, which is not something that I think people would have thought before. Both schools, Arizona and Kansas, have five level one allegations levied against them. Arizona has the most in total with nine. I don't know if there's another school that we know of that has as many as nine. It's obviously extremely severe, so this is not good news. Uh, Sean Miller faces uh, a season-long ban, essentially, uh, suspension from coaching, which obviously could infect his employment status. The obvious, just to mention it, this is not going to impact this season. The timeline's not going to allow for it. So if this is in no way going to, whether Arizona can play a 27-game schedule or it plays a 13-game schedule, whatever it gets done, all this damage is going to be for next season at the earliest. But they, it, it's not looking good. The the great unknown, though, is that we just don't know from Memphis, which is not tied to the federal investigations, to LSU, to NC State, to Arizona and, and Kansas and so on. When they go to the IARP, um, that how that is handled by that independent body, we still don't know because one case hasn't been uh, put on trial and, and given a verdict yet, GP. So Arizona will not be the first. It will be the fourth in line, I think, maybe the fifth. And so it will have an indication of how successful or or not, it might not be months before. Like, we're going to know what happens with Kansas before we ha know what happens with Arizona. But obviously, Seth's scoop, and it's been subsequently 
confirmed by the AP and Pat Forty of SI. Uh, this is not good news for Arizona. Yeah, um, yeah, I get asked constantly about various IARP um, cases, and that is, uh, to spell it out, independent accountability resolution process. It's designed to handle complex or contentious cases. Um, the, the truth is, as you accurately point out, we have no point of reference. We don't know how long these are. Like with the Committee on Infractions case, it's like, okay, you have 90 days to respond to this and 60 days to do that, then 90 days to do this and whatever. There is no time frame for this. We, we don't have a point of reference. You can't say, well, the Memphis case took X amount of months, so you can reasonably think the Arizona case will take X amount of months. We don't know. So um, and we don't know if this is a good or a bad thing. We just know it's a different thing and it's a new thing. So it, it very much is un, uncharted waters. Um, as for the lack of head coach control charge against Sean Miller, like we can debate, and God knows we have for years now, not you and I, but various people, what Sean Miller did, what Sean Miller knew. Mm-hmm. Did DeAndre Payton get paid? Was he taking care of Raleigh Hawkins? Did he lie when he said, I've never done A, B, and C? Um, should he still be the coach? Should he not still be the coach? Again, all of that has been debated. And we might never have clear answers to those questions. But the charge is a lack of head coach control charge. And when you have had two assistants have to be either fired or forced to resign, namely Book Richardson and Mark Phelps, Book pleading guilty to a felony, Mark being found by his own school to have falsified academic documents like that is textbook lack of head coach control my point being this i I don't see how you beat that charge if you're sean miller at the at the Mm -hmm. very least it is seemingly impossible to me to argue you had control of your staff when your staff is missing had 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 two of three assistant coaches had to be fired or forced to resign because they were operating undeniably outside of the rule book. I agree, and this is what it, you may you make the case that's going to be hard to argue. That's right, but uh, spend millions of dollars to, for for attorneys to argue Arizona has and will continue to do. But I don't see how Sean Miller gets around this. Um, for all I know, Sean Miller and Arizona might consider it a win. That dis- with all of this stuff, the only thing that the NCAA has on him, and I say only in quotations because this is significant, but it's a lack of coach control chart. There's nothing else there. There's no, uh, from what we can tell, there's no evidence of of knowledge of payments, of facilitation of payments for Sean Miller. You know, what we're talking about right now is significantly different from the podcast we had that Friday into Saturday when ESPN came out with the story and you had, you know... Jay Billis, Dick Vitale, and plenty of other people calling for Arizona to fire Sean Miller right then and there. Um, it's different from what was come up, what came up in court under testimony, things that were provided under wiretap through video uh, surveillance. Um, so in that respect, this is a win. I don't know if it helps Sean Miller keep his job or not. Um, I'll also be interested to see, you know, if we're going to get to see the notice of allegations. Arizona's not going to release them, but... I, there, it's a public university that is subject to open records requests. So, um, and that's a process that takes some time. And it is a process that journalists over the years, inside and outside of sports, like they regularly come up against uh, some issues, some hurdles with that. And if we get to see an NOA, 
um, how much of it would be redacted, how much would not. So just keep an eye on that in the next month to two. I would think that is going to get out via a public records request. Each state has its own different laws, but when we're talking about this parish, people are going to want to know more details. We don't have them. We have what has been reported, um, and that's just ne- merely the the severity of the violations and the number of them. We don't have any of the details within that. The NCAA is officially saying, Arizona, we believe through our investigation, you did this. Here's how we're going to hit you. Now you respond. We don't have those details. An FOIA, a Freedom of Information Act request, would give us more light to that. It remains to be seen if we'll get that before the end of the year. Yeah, just to circle back to what has happened on on Sean Miller's watch, um, two Arizona assistants have been forced to resign or or, or just been fired. Um, uh, another, Joe Pastanak, has been accused uh, of being willing to do a pay-for-play deal. Nothing's ever been proven. But Still coach he, at he, UCSB, Santa Barbara, by the way. Pastanak correct. Is the head so coach the, the, those are three f- guys who worked for Sean Miller at Arizona. Uh, like, take the Pastanak situation, set it over here. Let's just say that that's hearsay and 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 in unconfirmed you've still got book pleading guilty to a felony you've still got mark phelps um being forced to resign uh or 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 fired because of academic stuff like that's on your watch i don't see how you beat a, a lack of head coach control um as for what you know because i know there's going to be some fans who say okay but like we've heard people on a wiretap say sean miller was cheating you know, can't they hit him harder than what they seem to be hitting him specifically? And the answer to that is this is where the NCAA has a real limit in what it can do. You know, um, once book is working under the NCAA umbrella anymore, he doesn't have to talk to the NCAA. So he's not. Mark Phelps doesn't have to talk to the NCAA. So he's not. DeAndre Ayton doesn't have to talk to the NCAA. So he's not. Larnell. Larnell. <laughs> there we go. Larnell does not have to talk to the NCAA. Larnell's so not he's talking. not. Larnell, uh, Larnell is not even answering a text. Let's be real. Larnell, Larnell has got your number blocked. He's That's sending right. you straight the voice. You can't even get Larnell's time. number. NCAA you, you wants Larnell's number. NCAA's not getting Larnell's number. We know that. If you if 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 I offered you a thousand dollars, could you get Larnell's number by five o'clock today? Uh, I think I could. I really do, but if I'm, but if you're telling me that I'm, I'm getting a paycheck from Mark Emmert, I don't know if that's going to happen, to be honest. So Lardell's not taking your call. Raleigh Hawkins is not talking to you. The only leverage the NCAA ever has is over people who still work at NCAA or or participated in NCAA member institutions, and basically everybody involved here outside of Sean Miller um, no longer works at an in, or or is enrolled at an NCAA member institution. So who are you talking to? And as long as Sean Miller is going to deny it, then, oh, I should also say Christian Dawkins is not talking to the NCAA. So as long as Sean Miller is going to deny it, then where do you go unless there's some sort of paper trail? And only a, 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 a dum-dum would leave a paper trail when it comes to this kind of stuff. And so th- there's a chance that they just can't make any of it stick. But don't ever forget, Book Richardson is on a wiretap telling Christian Dawkins that Sean Miller was paying DeAndre Aiden. That's right. And – and then Christian Dawkins in that same conversation says, Sean's putting up some real money for them MFers. He told me he's getting killed, end quote. So there is a conversation where you have two people who have been dealing with Sean Miller, both of whom are saying Sean Miller is handling this deal. Now, is it possible they were both um, just BSing each other? 
I mean, I guess that's certainly what they're going to tell you on an Arizona message board, but I don't believe that. I, I, I believe that it is as it appears. And oh, by the way, uh, book uh, also indicated on the same wiretap that Sean Miller was paying Raleigh Hawkins and or people connected to Raleigh Hawkins. The quote is uh, from Christian Dawkins is you already know Sean is taking care of Raleigh and them. Actually, I believe that. Yeah, I think that was a book Richardson quote, but or, or, but or a Christian Dawkins quote. Either way, it, there are indications from people close to Sean caught on wiretap that he was, you know, paying players or people around players. And by the way, we already know that TJ Gasnola paid Larnell and got, and got nowhere That's right. with DeAndre Ayton. And That's then DeAndre right. Ayton ultimately enrolled at Arizona. So this stuff happened one way or another, but that doesn't always mean that the NCAA can get it good enough so that they can charge you with it. And ultimately that might just be the case with the Arizona situation. I do think it's important to note that they might not need to, to accomplish what they want to accomplish the NCAA. They might not need all that stuff. They can hit him with a lack of head coach control that again, from my perspective seems impossible to argue against. They can, punish him to the maximum of their ability, which would be, I believe, a year-long suspension. And then they could also do a multi-year postseason ban for Arizona. And you really do then, for the first time, cripple that program. And if your goal is to force Arizona to make a coaching change, um, that doesn't necessarily do it, but it does at least make the school have to think about it. Yeah, I. it will be interesting to see whatever punishments come down with Arizona, to what level would the school then decide to move or not. Like, if you told me that Arizona had a one-year postseason ban and Sean Miller has to sit for 20 games, I think he's still going to be the Arizona coach. If you told me uh, Sean Miller has to sit for a full season, a significant recruiting restrictions that are affecting year over year over year, and I... There's a sliding scale with all this stuff. What I don't know is this. The Committee on Infractions looks at all of the evidence. Like, the Committee on Infractions, I don't think the the everyday person is, is fully in tune with it, nor should, should you be, so I'll just quickly lay this out for you. The enforcement process is where the NCAA goes, does the digging, does the interviews, gets all the stuff. Like, it's, it's the active one retrieving the stuff, doing the interviews, getting everything together, and trying to basically build the best case possible for the NCAA. That's the enforcement group. The Committee on Infractions is a different group altogether. Those people don't cross streams. They don't sit on the same panel, if you will. They look at everything. They have another set of uh, of meetings with the accused, but they take the evidence and say, here's what we have. Here's how we apply these violations to a sliding scale of punishments. You did this, it applies here. You did this, it applies here. It applies to this amount of degree. I bring this up because with the IARP, what we don't know is if that is going to translate explicitly from one to the other or not. And because I think with what Arizona has been hit with, I think in a worst case scenario, according to the scale of punishments, it can have a postseason ban to the point of three or four years. Now, if it goes to the IARP and they think that that is too much or they don't interpret it that way, it could benefit Arizona. It could it could worsen the situation for Arizona. So just keep that in mind that these people don't go together, sit at a table for three hours, and just throw back a debate ideas left and right. Like, I'm thinking like a year and a half. Well, here's why I think it's a year and three months. It's not that. They are literally referencing case precedent and uh, trying to lock in 
punishments with proven wrongdoing. And so that's usually why you get what you get. And frankly, this is frustrating as a journalist. It's why when these cases come out and the NCAA does these conference calls, you almost never get a lot of insight from the Committee on Infractions person that's just like, well... The NCAA is a membership, and the members decide the rules, and we just abided by the the, the case uh, penalty structure. And in this case, we had X amount of this. It's so damn frustrating. Like you wish they could, it could be human and actually bring you into the decision process. There, you never get that. Could be the case with Arizona, but again, the IARP is a dynamic, changing element here. And so maybe we'll have more transparency as to why the punishments are the, what they are whenever they arrive in 2021. All right, let's wrap this up with this. Um, obviously, Arizona is going to fight this case. They've made that clear. Um, let's, for the sake of the conversation, say that Arizona is guilty as charged. What they are accused of doing, they will be punished for. What's a fair punishment in your eyes? Miller suspended. Uh, I'd say fair punishment is Miller suspended 75% of the season. Um, two-year postseason ban and recruiting restriction. Maybe Mike DeCourcy always brings up like taking scholarships away actually hurts people. I actually agree with him on that. He's got a he's got a good point on this, but they're not going to change that. Um, so with within that context, I'd still say you're you're going to lose uh scholarship for probably the length of the ban. Something in that realm. There's going to be other. There's going to be money money fines and stuff like that. I'm not going to get into all that stuff, but that's pretty much what I think that would be. Fair, you can't get around the realities of what was happening with Bookerson, take Sean Miller out of it or whatever. Like, there's just there's enough there. You had a guy plead guilty, go to jail. He shouldn't have gone to jail, but that's, that's a different deal altogether. So that's yeah, that's my answer. What about you? Uh, we're basically on the same page. I, I would go a year suspension for Sean and a two year postseason ban. Like, if Oklahoma State got one year postseason ban, yeah. you can't just give Arizona the same. I mean, I don't think anyway. Yeah. Well, they both they both had an assistant plead guilty. And have to go to jail. Um, the, the Oklahoma State's uh, all these cases are weird. I mean, the Oklahoma State Lamont Evans also did stuff at South Carolina. I, but I get what you're saying. By the way, Oklahoma State, just a quick, quick one. They're appealing that, and I just I, they got Kate Cunningham. They might, they might try and see if they can appeal this to the point where they don't lose the 2021 postseason. Don't be shocked if that happens. Just. Uh, Keep, keep that in mind. I'm not convinced that they're going to be out on 2021. They'll be out on 2022 at the latest, but just you, since you brought it up, I'm just hearing a little scuttle on that. Go ahead. Um, I would just say, like, uh, yes, Oklahoma State and Arizona are similar in the sense that they both had an assistant coach, you know, charged and convicted of a federal crime. But that is where the similarities seem to end. I mean, the, the stuff that allegedly happened at Arizona um, seems – much greater than anything that happened at Oklahoma State. And by the way, it is only one assistant coach charged with a federal crime, but they had that another assistant coach had to be moved out for academic stuff as well. It just if 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 we're setting the bar at a one year postseason ban for Oklahoma State, it seems to me Arizona is going to clear that bar. And so one year post one one year suspension for Sean Miller, two year postseason ban, I think would be enough to make fans of college basketball, college athletics in general, say that, okay, Arizona paid a price. Because, listen, man, this still exists. I, I tweeted, uh, you know, the, the news yesterday, and 
the overwhelming majority of the responses are, oh, wake me up when they actually do something. Wake me up when somebody gets fired. Will Wade still has a job. Sean Miller still has a job. So on and so forth. Like that perception is there. And, you know, at some point, the people who work for the NCAA have to try to change that perception that you can again, allegedly, cheat, 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 and never actually pay a real price. Now, obviously, some people have paid real prices throughout their careers, um, but but there is a real perception right now that the Sean Millers and the Will Wades and the other coaches who have been accused of of, of really big things have yet to pay any sort of significant price. And, you know, if the, I'll just put it this way, if the NCAA wants to change that perception or alter it in any way, then it, it's going to need to, to levy a punishment that, um, that, that gives it a, an opportunity to do so. All right. We got to now GP let's, let's pivot. We got to get to clearly the biggest news of Monday that has to deal with something I alluded to on Sunday and then certainly came about literally as we're podcasting right now. So let's do it. In the simplest terms, the Orlando bubble has blown up. Those ESPN events are either not happening or trying to be moved. We're going to get into that momentarily, but first check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So, Norlander, you tweeted on Sunday morning that the events that were scheduled to happen in Orlando at Walt Disney World were very much in jeopardy. We now find out on Monday afternoon that they are not going to happen. ESPN has confirmed that every event it was holding, planning to hold in Orlando, is not going to be held in Orlando because of uh, disagreements, for lack of a better word, over how testing protocols should work. There is still some thought that they will try to move the Jimmy V and play it elsewhere, move the Champions Classic, play it elsewhere, perhaps Indianapolis. But this whole season uh, getting underway in Orlando, day after day after day, game after game after game, it's just not going to go um, the way that any of us thought it was going to go, say, two weeks ago. Like I said, you were tweeting about this on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Now here we are. Update people on what has happened. 
All right, significant news, and uh, let's just be clear here. I mean, we 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 have podcasted, and we didn't think this was going to happen here on Monday. I certainly didn't. I'll tell you this: the teams in Orlando didn't as well, but that is where we are at. Um, just right off the top, uh, just to get a, a a real frame of how much this impacts the schedule. If you are rooting for or know of Auburn, Baylor, Belmont, Boise State, Charlotte, Cincinnati, Duke, Furman, Gonzaga, Houston, Kentucky, Illinois, Kansas, Loyola, Chicago, Michigan State, Missouri, North Texas, Tennessee, I'm still going, Texas Tech, St. Mary's, San Diego State, Seton Hall, Oregon, Penn State, UCF, UCLA, Utah State, and finally VCU. All of those teams are now no longer going to be playing in Orlando. This picked up momentum last week. Didn't think that we would have this decision on Monday. If I'm being completely honest, I thought this decision was going to land on Wednesday morning. Um, I can't help but wonder if my reporting from Sunday really accelerated it. I know that my reporting from Sunday definitely uh, moved things along behind the scenes, not just with those teams, but with ESPN and then obviously other MTE event organizers who see opportunities to potentially bring in those teams to their events. And clearly between yesterday afternoon, evening, and into this morning, ESPN decided we're not going to win here. We're going to have to punt. Um, I won't get into too much of what we had previously discussed about, about what the why we're here, but the basic reason is that you have Disney protocols that aren't going, that we're never going to change. We, this Disney, not ESPN makes the rules. It's on Disney property and Disney is the owner of ESPN. So it's lawyers and doctors. We're deciding here's what you have to do. If you're going to participate in our events, there are other schools, there are other conferences that are not operating within those boundaries. That's not to say that the schools doing that are wrong. They are relying on their own set of doctors, their own set of scientists, and letting that guide the way there. The big issue with college basketball at the moment, and yes, we are going to have a season. How crooked it is, GP, I don't know. But we're going to have a season, and the hope is that, like, can we get all 32 leagues to have the same set of protocols? It's not going to happen. You're going to have NCAA guidelines. The conferences are going to try and meet those, but there's going to be other things that that. They won't, or they'll work. They'll work around. Um, so we'll have to we'll have to wait and see on the validity of non-conference scheduling. With all of this, literally have a conference official trying to call me right now as we're podcasting, but I'm obviously not going to take that call. But this is clearly like this kind of news reverberates massively throughout the sport. A couple more things because this my brain is spinning from all this. I've already heard from multiple coaches at power conference programs that this is going to delay the the inevitable, what you wrote about a couple months back, where if you want to try and hold these MTEs, and there's all these schools and conferences with all these different regulations, like it's a fool's errand. Conferences right now need to get ahead of this and say we're going to go league only like football did so we can best ensure we can have the safest season possible. I will say that I sent that tweet out, and then I heard immediately from two other coaches that were like, and they're in different fields. They're in different spots and different MTEs, and they're like, that's not necessarily the case. Like, the field that we're going to go play in right now, everyone's on the same page. Like, we are going to go play in that event, and if you can have everyone on the same page, there's no reason why you can't do this. So there's not a- agreement on this at all. That's a-, a consistent theme throughout college basketball and the scheduling stuff. But this is massive, and I would anticipate that every major conference now is going to meet this week and just kind of bring back to the table, all right, What's the status of our schools? Where are you going to play? 
And does everyone still want to do that? Or should we really talk about either upping our league schedule or going to league only? I don't think we're going there, Parrish. I still think we're going to have a non-conference. But this is a huge story that broke on Monday afternoon. I do believe we will still have non-league games. Because, like, the teams scheduled to play in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, aren't worried about Disney's testing protocols. You're right. Um, They're like, hey, hey, we're good to go. So I do believe we're going to have non-league games. Um, I'm not sure that we should. I understand the desire to do it. Um, you know, it creates television inventory. It makes the metrics work better. Um, there are a lot of uh, reasons to to be interested in doing it. I've just always thought and wrote about this months ago that um, the 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 risk outweigh the good. That that it, you know, this is already going to be complicated. Arguably more complicated than trying to pull off a football season, because with football, um, one positive test. Does it contact trace your entire team? In basketball, it it certainly can. And if we're talking about 14-day quarantines after a positive test um, that leads to contact tracing, you're getting shut down for, for two weeks at a time. You're missing four games every time something like this happens in your program. At a time when, by the way, COVID-19 numbers all over this country are, are spiking in uncomfortable ways. We've been distracted by the World Series, by an election, by the NFL, by college football. People largely aren't paying attention to the numbers the way we were paying attention to numbers in March and April, but the numbers are getting worse, and we're not heading in a good direction. So this is going to be complicated no matter what, and it's why I've always believed, like, let's make it as simple as we can possibly make it while recognizing nothing is simple about it. What they are fighting over, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what they're fighting over, the reason this whole thing falls apart at Disney World is because people can't agree on what the testing protocols should be or they're not willing to go as far as Disney wants them to go. With conference-only schedules, everybody is held to the same testing protocols and it's agreed to up front. The Big Ten can do what the Big Ten's comfortable with. The SEC can do what the SEC's comfortable with. The Summit League can do what the Summit League is comfortable with. And so you just you're just you're playing within your walls. Everybody's held to the same standard. Everybody knows the score in advance. The other benefit to that is that if we still start the season on November 25th, you basically got a month of extra wiggle room within your schedule you can leave weeks open because you're going to need to make up stuff and um you know this isn't baseball where you're going to be playing double headers that's how they made up stuff in baseball they were like okay we'll just we'll play two seven inning games next sunday you can't do that or at least there's no evidence that you would try to do that in in basketball so you go to conference only schedules and again i don't think they're going to i do think they're going to wish they would have Come January, I think they're going to wish they would have, but I don't think they're going to do it. But if you go to conference-only schedules, it gives you the same big window to play, in theory, fewer games, and it allows all the testing protocols to be agreed to from the jump, and you ju- and it and you play within your league, and your league can hold um, itself to this standard, which could be greater than another league or not as great as another league. That's up to you guys, but ultimately you decide it. And I know that without non-league games, the net ranking doesn't work properly. Mm-hmm. Ken Palm doesn't work properly. Uh, my uh, counter to that would be, I, I don't care. Like, you know, if we can pick four college football teams to play in a playoff, 
um, when the SEC, Pac-12, and Big Ten are playing conference-only schedules, then surely we can figure out a way to do it um, uh, in basketball with 68 teams. I mean, once upon a time, let's never forget, Kim Palm didn't exist, and uh, the net ranking didn't exist. We still figured out a way to pick teams to play in the NCAA tournament. I'm confident in this one year we could do it again. Yeah, uh, that time wasn't as... uh, uh, (laughs) Let's never go back to that time. Yeah, but like... Your general point should be taken heavily by the powers that be trying to assemble a season here, and we'll save that for March to debate the validity of the teams that do and don't get into the field. Um, The only note I'll make quickly on the NCAA tournament as it pertains to all of this um, is that, okay, so the Orlando stuff is all canceled, okay? And it's canceled because... Listen, the Big 12 and the SEC are operating under protocols right now that do not align perfectly with other conferences, okay? And that's not to, again, that's not to say that they're wrong. I feel like this, this is the Seinfeld bit where, like, everyone's got a doctor. Everyone's doctor is the best guy. They're just going by their own doctor's advice. My back is killing me. You got to go to my chiropractor. He's the best. Oh, yeah. Everybody's guy is the best. I'm going to make an appointment for you. We'll go together. Uh, by the way, literally getting... Oh, my gosh. Oh, the, the emojis that I'm that are landing in the text are funny. I'm getting one source, by the way. I'm going to just say this in real time on the podcast. Um, Indianapolis is one possibility of many, apparently, for the Champions Classic, but it's way premature to say how possible Indianapolis is or isn't. That is coming from someone who definitely would have the authority to comment on that, albeit on background, just keep that in mind. Um, so the doctors, I'm not saying that the ACC doctors and Big Ten doctors are right and the SEC doctors are wrong. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying they're using whatever stuff they have available to them, and it's causing the issue we have in Orlando. ESPN and Disney, we're not going to budge on that. When we get to the tournament, the NCAA is going to have a certain set of rules. They, may, they run the tournament. They decide who's in. The NCAA runs the whole damn thing. So what's happened to Orlando will not happen with the tournament because the NCAA is going to be like... <laughs> You're not playing. We don't care. They don't care. So if there were, and really this gets down to it, in my, from what I read, there were you know, six to eight teams that kind of really just rattled the cage here that, that led to this happening. That's just not going to be an issue on, for the tournament. Because I think some people might, might look at what's happening with non-conference and be like, how are we going to have a season? How are we going to have a tournament? I promise you, you will not play in the tournament if you do not meet the NCAA's guidelines to, to qualify, to test, quarantine, all of that kind of stuff. And that will be known not only well in advance of the tournament, but it will probably be an evolving document as the science advances. We'll know more and more on that. Um, as it pertains to the rest of this field, I'm really interested to see what happens here. Parrish, we've got significant teams attached to this event, uh, to, to the site, I guess I should say. You know, Baylor, maybe the best team in the country. Gonzaga, maybe the best team in the country. Kansas, always a huge deal. Again, Champions Classic. We'll see what happens with that and where. Uh, just as a side note with Champions, it, the the rotation lucked out in that you have an SEC team playing a Big 12 team, Kansas plays Kentucky, and then an ACC team playing a Big 10 team, Michigan State plays, a, uh, plays Duke, so that these irregularities with what is and isn't allowed with your COVID protocols won't affect the Champions Classic. Those games will be able to go on if it was different and say Michigan State was playing Kansas and Duke was playing Kentucky. We actually might have an issue there uh, in general. But these teams are now going to tr- either try and figure out if they can get their non-conference games in in other ways, like, does Kansas try and host in its own MTE? And when it does this, does it say, all right, Gonzaga, like, you want a tough game? Let's us team up and try and pick off a team here and a team there. You know, will that happen? Will you have Mohegan Sun in my state of Connecticut? Is it going to be impacted by the significantly? I don't have any until on in real time as we record this podcast, but I'm led to believe that Mohegan Sun is stable. But then again, like a week ago, ESPN was stable. So keep an eye on that as well. 
And whether we go to conference only or not, um, it will be an institution-by-institution decision there. I do think we're going to have non-conference games. As we record this podcast, as the news breaks and we're reacting to it in real time, I think the most important thing for the next 24 hours is that the Sioux Falls event, Vegas is still trying to get stuff done uh, with BD Global, and the MTE with the Hall of Fame, and um, the Gazelle Group with more than 30 teams at Mohegan Sun. Um, like, don't let panic set in, okay? And in fact, I would... Uh, I, I, the Nebraska's got God knows how many teams, 12 teams to go into their uh, event with elite, Elevate Hoops there. Um, can those teams be added there? Are we delaying the inevitable where a week or two those things fold or not? I don't think they will perish. This really could, at the end of the day, if we get to the start of the season, we may look, we may, may, we may look back and just say, all right, it was Disney. They had a certain set. It was different from the others. They were able to manage this, and it just it just so happened that when it came to ESPN and Disney, they were not going to budge whatsoever, and the applicable COVID protocols, uh, they're just going to work for those other teams and those other events, because I can tell you right now, I've already heard from a coach that's supposed to play in South Dakota at the, what is it again, Crossover Mower Classic? I can't even, I don't remember the name of this damn thing. The Scuffle for South Dakota, okay? It's the Scuffle for South Dakota. There we go. One, I've already heard from a coach there's like, uh, we're playing in this event, and everyone's on the same page, so let's like not freak out here. Like that, that's happening. Right. Like, yeah, so. I, I think like, I think this is, I don't want to say exclusively, but probably exclusively a, a Disney Orlando thing. I don't, I don't think this is going to blow up the Mohegan sun or blow up right. South Dakota. I think these other things are going to happen. And then the most obvious, you know, fix here is that most of these MTs are eight team events, right? Eight team events. You're supposed to get three games. Why don't four of you break off and go one place? Four of you break off, go another place, play round robin. You get three games. Everybody's cool. Isn't that the easiest way to fix this? Yes. While, while, while acknowledging nothing's easy, but like. It's, it's, it's not. Know, it's not that easy, but I know it, what you're saying. Yeah, yeah right. Like, okay, um, let's just give me a team that's supposed to be there that just had its. Auburn. Th- just had, Auburn. Was, Okay, Auburn. If you're Auburn, trust me, they don't care in Alabama. You could, you could, you don't even have to test. You go down there, you could snort COVID and then play basketball. Nobody okay. cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. All right. So you're Auburn. You just, you just tell three other teams, come on down to Auburn, and we'll all catch COVID together, and uh, and then we'll play, uh, we'll play some basketball games. It'll be fine. I'm, I'm joking, obviously, but yeah. the point is, the is, is exactly that. You know, just hey. Let's do this on my campus or let's do this on your campus or let's do this at a neutral site. But we all got delivered the same news on October 26th. We're scrambling. We were supposed to get three games at Disney World, but four of us can get together. We'll test, test, test. Then we'll play a round robin. Nobody gets a trophy, but who cares? We're getting three games. We're completing our non-league schedule. To me, that's, I don't want to say that's the only way to, to right. resolve this but it's an obvious way to resolve this um since this is now dissolved i'll just i'll drop a couple pieces of candy here um i mean for seven days it was houston's out of the event like just like it just hadn't been announced this was weird because calvin sampson went on the record in a media call and said the field they were playing in before it was even officially announced but houston has been presumed out of this event for days and this is according to sources um and to be clear no i did not get this uh from the head coach on the staff or anything like that but the belief is that houston and texas tech are um of an agreement that if if something were to happen with orlando that they might try and make an mte happen keep that in mind um 
I think uh, another team that really accelerated this because the noise around it increased highly uh, is Kansas. Uh, I don't know what Kansas is going to do, but once you start losing a team like Kansas, I think the uh, the momentum is almost irreversible there. And um, I, I had heard Auburn as well. So and I had heard more teams, but just just to be clear here, like the, if you're wondering why all this happens, is because for four or five days when. People start going like, I don't think Kansas is sticking in this event, and Houston's out, and um, Houston and Texas Tech, who were supposed to be in the same event now, they're both in Texas, might try and make an empty of their own work happen in Texas there. Just look for the teams that were in these events. If they can make it happen on their own with some sort of MTE, uh, if it makes geographic sense, like off the top of my head, I don't have this, but this is something that has been floated that would make sense. Like, Furman needs games, Charlotte's nearby, Belmont's close. Can you all agree to kind of do some sort of MTE and, and make that happen? You know, that would that's how you make the best of a bad situation because uh, clearly those schools and their administrators right now, they want them to play non-conference games at this point. Maybe that changes by Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But um, I just keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, we could wind up with some interesting non-conference stuff. If schools can get the venues, this is another thing. Like, you have to secure the venue drop the contracts, get officials. Get, there's so much that goes into this parish that, you know, obviously it's not on the surface, but like getting this stuff together is not, it, you don't get it done in a day. Like it literally takes weeks. But if it can be done, and it's got to be done for the first week of the season with a lot of these teams, we might get some, still some interesting non-conference stuff. And oh, by the, just as an aside, like there's not going to be fans, but it might just be on campus. It could, it could be a little bit easier, but, um, but we'll see. One more thing, um, it, like when this happens, like I just I sent off a few texts before we booted up and recorded here. But um, I haven't heard anything about instability with anything else, any other event, any other tournament. Like if you can think of, uh, I haven't heard of any other instability. So let's just keep that in mind as well. This is a significant piece of news. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's ESPN, it's Orlando. It was 30 teams. Like this is, and a lot of them are preseason top 10, top 15, top 20. But everything else right now seems to be okay. And my guess is that it probably will. Maybe you'll see a defection or two. Maybe if it like scheduling wise, you know, you can never be too sure. But um, but I don't anticipate this will be what the coaches, a couple coaches who reached out. I don't think that this is going to lead to conference only. There might be other factors that necessitate it. Like when we get to Thanksgiving, Christmas is going to become too late. But as we've referenced before, like maybe just the, the COVID situation in our country, like mandates that mandates leagues to go play in bubbles and stuff like that, or pods, if you will. But I still think we're going to have a non-conference. I do too. Obviously I, I don't think we should, but I do think we, we will, or will at least attempt it. Um, obviously this is a fluid situation when um, things change. We'll come back and talk about it again. When I get done recording this podcast, I will write a column on this subject. So you can find that at cbssports.com. All right. Before we get out of here, um, some significant Atlantic 10 recruiting news, courtesy okay. of the University of Dayton. Deron Holmes, Norlander, a top 50 prospect class of 2021, according to 24-7 Sports, committed to Anthony Grant's Flyers over the weekend. A Dayton fan definitely tweeted me, I think probably tweeted you as well, and asked if we were going to do an emergency podcast for this, for this commitment. Uh, we opted against it because on Saturday I was playing golf and Norlander was on vacation, but I did want to include it at the end of this podcast. Congrats to the Flyers, right, Norlander? Anthony Grant is, in all seriousness, capitalizing on a great season that might 
have resulted in a national title had we been able to play the 2020 NCAA tournament. This is what people always say you're supposed to do, like capitalize on your success. And here is a program capitalizing on that success. The truth is, um, and I say this as the MC of Atlantic 10 Media Day, um, that league doesn't mm. uh, routinely or regularly enroll top 50 prospects. This is um, a big deal. He is, according to some Recruiting sites, uh, Deron Holmes, um, the highest-ranked prospect to ever commit to Dayton. Um, trivia time. Okay. I don't know the answer, though. How many top 50 recruits has the Atlantic 10 had in the past 10 years? That's what I want to know. How many? I'm going to set the over-under. I'm going to set the over-under at 3.5. Next podcast. I, Next podcast. Or someone find it for us. But you bring it up, like, top 50 recruit. Good for him. By the way, well, I'll there, go for... There, there was the one... Uh, kid that went to st louis a couple years ago but he already left you're right oh man name is name is blank i gotta know it now by the way as the as the mc of, of a10 media day you should have the answer to my trivia time question just to let you know so i'm, I, I'm a little I, let I, down i do think it's probably under three and a half i'm not sure but i i would guess under three and a half okay fair enough um no it is it is a good get to to bring this full circle, by the way, with uh, with the podcast. Um, oh man, who is the who is the the St. Louis kid? Did he even play for him? Yeah, Cartier Gordon. Cartier Gordon. Yeah, C- Cartier. Cartier. There we go. <laughs> My bad. Cartier. There we go. <laughs> Cartier. Gordon. Cartier Gordon. St. Louis. Where, That's where, where is he? Where is he now? Uh, Cartier Gordon. I don't know. I want to say this. Cartier is like, Gordon's going to mess around and turn into a, a, a Terry Teagle. I think he might be at DePaul. That's, that's off the top of my head, but I think he might. He might be at DePaul. Um, well, it looks like he went to Northwest Florida for a minute. Okay. <laughs> and then and then left there. <laughs> Hold on, I'm just seeing the. I just found a headline. It says Gordon on the move again. <laughs> okay, Maybe. so he apparently he went to St. Louis. Well, we know he went to St. Louis, and then he went to Northwest Florida State, where Steve Forbes used to coach. Correct. Now the Wake Forest coach, powerhouse JUCO. And the last thing, he might be at DePaul. I think you're right. Boom! Give it to me. No, no. Oh. <laughs> he, is this the right? I now I'm seeing Grambling. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I guess he's a Grambling. He's a Grambling Tiger. By the way, Grambling or Grambling State? It, like I, I can't, Grambling State. Is it both? I, I mean, I hear Grambling a lot. I need I need clarification on this. That's right. It's Grambling State University. I'm looking at it. It, it, it is, but not, I hear it referred to Grambling as. But I think you're right, Grambling State. All right, so there we go. Because um, because I, I don't think people are trying to go like, do you mean Grambling or Grambling State? Like it's that's all true. The, it's that all that the same is thing. that is also true. Uh, but if but if the Wichita State people hear, hear you call it Wichita, they go after you. So you know, just to be clear here, it's people. It's Wichita State. Okay, it's not Wichita. They get on you. I'm just telling you, Shocker fans listening, they very well know about that. Um, I was going to say, to bring it back full circle, uh, Arizona got dinged with all this stuff, and it just got um, a top 50 prospect, Shane Dizoni. Um, so that it's just interesting how they, they got dinged, and then within 24 hours, they, they landed another good prospect there. Um, for Dayton, I think the Flyers are going to be able to sustain a... Top shelf status in the A10. This is a good get for them. I haven't determined where they're going to be in the one to three fifty seven just yet, but I know for sure they bring enough back. Like they lose Obi, that's a, that's a big time deal. But they they lose Obi and they keep Ibby. 
You know, they got Ibby back, Ibby Watson. So let's not. I mean, let's, I, I'd, I'd have read, with all due respect, I'd have rather done that the other way. I, I, I got it. But you know what? I, fair enough. But you know what? You lose bring back, you, Jaylen, bring back Jalen Crutcher. They do bring back Jalen Crutcher, who is going to be. Uh, we got to start our email chain for the top 101 players. I'll get that going after this podcast stuff. But like Jalen Crutcher, I think, has a case to be like a top 50 player in college basketball this season. I, so, vote, I voted him 13 preseason All American. He, he didn't make her. He didn't make our All-American list, but I voted him. Look at you. So, yeah, top 20 style for you. So, there we, so there we go. But anyway, like Dayton to me. Killian, Killian Tilly's uh, half-brother. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Man, we're just, we just hop right back in the groove. Nine days off. You weren't, you weren't dropping any Killian Tilly with Kyle Boone. By the way, Kyle Boone, thank you. You did a wonderful job there. Dayton, I'm going to have. You didn't listen to that podcast. I did not. I'm, it's a, no, but I'm sure. I'm sure he was wonderful. I, I, was, he was wonderful. Yeah, but you didn't get Kyle Porter. Shame on you. Uh, I, I, that's next time. Okay, fair enough. You know what? You, I, I'm not even joking. I'm not joking. I want you to do a podcast with Kyle Porter. Like I want that to happen. Okay, I want Kyle <laughs> Porter to be a guest on the Island College Basketball Podcast. I like Kyle Porter. I go on vacation. All right. Um. Anyway, Kyle, I was, Kyle Porter. Yeah. Best looking person at CBSSports.com. Are we including the HQ analysts? No, they're all good looking. That's that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Like like Brady Quinn, that's tough. That's you can't compete with that. I I might put Kyle Brian McFadden. Quinn. Brian McFadden might be at the top of the list. But if we're talking about writers only, uh, people who are primarily writers, it's probably a toss up between Kyle Porter and Tom Fornelli. Yeah. <laughs> It's probably Fornelli. It might be Fornelli. Yeah, it might be. Uh, that's, I think it's he's definitely in the running there. Subscribe to the Cover 3 podcast, by the way. They're on video. Kyle Boone, pretty good-looking guy. Got a strong he's, jaw. He's got a very strong jaw. Extremely uh, just high-level jaw. Like top like, three jaw I, I, at .com. I like, I like Kyle Boone's jaw. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> top three jaw. There's no doubt about it. He's 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 ahead of us in the in – the, you might – actually, GP, you might be last in the jaw rankings at, at .com. I don't even have a jaw. I don't have a neck. Yeah, you, might, you might actually – I can understand why you've got some envy over Kyle Boone's jaw because – well, anyway, um, I just I, I envy anybody with a neck. There we, yeah, I know, I know. I'd love to have a neck. Uh, Dayton's a top fifty team. I thought I had one more point about the Flyers. Oh yeah, I was gonna say this before we wrap. Like you're the MC of A10 Media Day, but there's not yep. like, are you gonna be MCing the Zoom call with the A10? Is that gonna happen? I ha- I haven't been approached. Yeah, about I, it yet. I think that decision's probably already been made. By the way, so uh, I I, w- I was asked if I would attend a ten media day if it were virtual, and, and I, I was on that email, which made me wonder if you would not be emceeing. <laughs> if they've got another MC for this virtual a ten media, it's over. <laughs> Jalen Crutcher will never make an All American team again, unless it's Kyle Boone, because you know what. I'm they- a- what if they listened to last week's episode of the Island College Basketball Podcast and they were like, let's get the guy with the strong jaw to go. host A10 Media Day virtually? Might what happen. if that's what happened? Cartier Gordon is at Grambling State University. He is majoring. I even know his major now, Norlander. He's majoring in criminal justice. Well, you know what? There we go. Like to hear it. Admirable major. Look, and, and his mugshot, not mugshot. He's not, he's not criminal. Uh, his uh, headshot. Headshot. His headshot. Cartier Gordon, long as we're sitting here commenting on good-looking men, it's a good-looking young man. All right, fair enough. I can't pick him out right now. Can't uh, can't picture the face, but uh, but I'll take your I'll take your word for it. There. Um, you want to land this plane or what? You want to 
know more about Cartier Gord? You know what? I think maybe uh, I think maybe we wait for a little bit of a preview stuff coming in November. We can we can break down we can break down Grambling State. Uh, this is going to make me reconsider where I'm putting the Tigers in my one to three fifty seven. I mean, they got a former top fifty guy. Grambling State does. You got that. That needs to be considered in your in in your rankings. I, I hope every podcast somebody learns something. I actually learned something today, and that is where Cartier Gordon is now attending um, college. <laughs> shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry and Meth and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys for listening once again in the middle of a pandemic. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell one person about it. And, oh, by the way, we're about to ramp up podcast production i was gonna uh, I, oh yeah i mean listen if you want to tease them now that's fine i was i was gonna drop that as a shocker on tuesday but let the people know just go ahead spill it if, if the question is are you guys going to record a new episode basically every day including saturdays between now and the start of the season the answer is yes that is what we're about to do we put the schedule together yesterday it is daunting <laughs> But we'll get through it, right? Not, not only is it daunting, we are actually going to have to cut content. Um, but and don't listen. We are happy to do this because listen, it's been a long ass off season, the longest off season in the history of college basketball. Just get us to November twenty five. Get us to some games. But we know um, that you you likely appreciate some good preview content. So we're happy to do this. Don't get too comfortable because once the season gets started and, and there's like games and our schedule like we're going to be three times a week as always but we are going to provide you with a near daily podcast content between now and the start of the season there so you had a fresh episode here on a monday you're gonna have another one on tuesday you're gonna have another on wednesday you're gonna have another on thursday and so on and so forth we're happy to provide it those episodes though that aren't like this where we're talking about current events Newsy items in college basketball, the latest on Grambling State's roster, right. you know, Ibby Watson, uh, Kyle Boone's chin. These they, these kind of episodes are going to be their normal. Well, we wanted to make this 40 minutes and we're going on an hour. So us, by the way. Um, those other episodes, they're going to be, they'll be appetizers. We're going to get them to you in like 15, 20 minute bursts. Know what you need to know about top teams, good conferences, et cetera, et cetera. We're happy to do it. I got to shut up because we, we got we to gotta go. We're going to talk about the top seven leagues in the country. All will get individual podcasts. We will do a countdown of the top 10 of the top 25 and one each school in the top 10. will get its own episode. We're going to continue to do NBA draft profiles in advance of the 2020 NBA draft, which is scheduled for November 18th. So new podcast material basically every day. Refresh, refresh, refresh. And if you haven't subscribed yet, Go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 